I guess you could say that I really dig this game, and it gave me the. I, I got the royal treatment from this one, and I figured let's just go ahead. Sorry, Chris and Justin. I figured let's just go ahead and get these all out of the way. That way we can sort of disarm Russ before we get into the actual meat of the episode. So if you have anything like... Oh, okay, okay. Wow, I mean, thank you, Griffin. You really are the knight in shining armor of this podcast. Checkmate. This king is running the board. Let me look at the cue cards. I don't have a... what, And then maybe we can edit in a joke after that. Got it, got it. I think we should shovel that crap out. Yeah, I think it's maybe a little on the nose just to say the word shovel. Uh, what if I said, like, uh, shovel tonight, baby? Shovel tonight, baby. Walk me through that. So, um, hmm, you really put me in a pickle. <laughs> God, That's I wish funny. Russ hadn't died. <laughs> Milk and rookies. <laughs> you fucking had his ghost is still with us. My name is Justin McElroy, and I dig this game. Damn it. My name's Griffin McElroy, and I played it. My name is Christopher Plant, and I'm Shovel Knight. My name is Russ Frederick, and I'm drinking milk and rookies. What does that mean? What does that mean? Because you said it during the cold open, too, and I don't know what it means. Okay, so so my thinking is like king, oh. and it's like a chess thing. And Rook is a piece on a chessboard, so it's milk and mm-hmm. rookies. That sucks, man. You guys didn't think sucks, of that one, did you? Though. Boy, oof, doof. Hi, it's Justin McRoy, and this is the Besties, a game of the year book club that goes all year long. We're back talking about regular games after perfectly summarizing 2019. Uh, a lot of people say there are no games, but we have the courage to dig deep and find the games that... Ooh, dig that, deep, I like that. Thanks, Russ. I it's even better when you fucking hang a lamp on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, we're gonna talk about Shovel Knight, part of the Shovel Knight treasure trove, King of Cards. It is also it's also a uh, if you do not own the Shovel Knight treasure trove, it's also uh, available as a standalone product. Although at this point, you should just if you're interested in Shovel Knight, you should just have Shovel yeah, Knight. Treasure I want to meet this person that this has no interest in Shovel Knight but loves kings. And right. cards. Fresh, can you kind of catch us up on the whole journey of Shovel Knight? Uh, I could try. I don't have the years, but I do know so there was this indie studio called Yacht Club Games uh, who made this game called Shovel Knight. I want to say 2015, I want to say, maybe. It was before that. Um, and, what is this a test that you're going to tell me? How no, 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 no. You're close. It's 2014. Is <laughs> and when it, 2014. Uh, pretty when it close. Uh, so they came out with this game. It was basically a throw up, throwback um, style game in the in the spirit of Mega Man, that kind of era of NES games, but made with um, modern design mechanics. We've absolutely discussed the original Shovel Knight on the podcast previously. It's, it's a terrific game, highly recommended. Um, and since that came out, the team basically has spent a ton of time working on these post-release campaigns, which basically focus on various side characters as the new hero for like a, effectively a DLC campaign. And the latest is the King of Cards. Uh, the um, I want to get his Knight King, King Knight, 
What's his name? King Knight is the latest hero um, who is starring in his own campaign and probably the most fleshed out and involved of all the post-release campaigns. So that is what we're talking about today. Spectre of Torment was the uh, second expansion. And that it, was also it, it had some, it, it was had some narrative heft. That was that's still probably my. Uh, my favorite one because it was like super transformative. Yeah. Uh, but I also think it's worth mentioning that all of the additional campaigns, the uh, there's Plague of Shadows, Spectre of Torment, and King of Cards, were all Kickstarter reward bonuses for a campaign that happened a, a very long time ago. At this point, I looked into it because I couldn't remember how much uh, they were they were seeking. Uh, so the the Kickstarter campaign went live March seventeenth, twenty thirteen. And the funding goal was $75,000. And it went on to collect a total of $311,000. Still for, super for, low. So low. Like for, for game development, especially one like of the scale of Shovel Knight, which is like, sure, it's a retro style sort of reimagination of like the NES like DuckTales Mega Man sort of era is still like a pretty big project like that is not a ton of cash for for one game let alone what is essentially like four games yeah that's basically the budget for like a shoulder they could animate what, a shoulder. <laughs> you could animate one GTA. shoulder in uh, God of War for three hundred eleven thousand. Also, I, I believe the expansions when they were like stretch goals or whatever on Kickstarter were oh we'll add some more characters and they'll have their own movement and that'll be fun and then they just kept making big huge media expansions that are effectively standalone games right i i mean this is everything that you hear producers of video games saying not to do where it's like just expansion creep of yeah i mean sure we could make a character but why not just make an entire extra campaign and people are like no that's that's a terrible idea You'll never ship anything, and yet here we are all these years later, and they've shipped, what, these three standalone campaigns and the four-player kind of like Smash There's like a Brothers battle. Game? Yeah, I, I, I would be curious to know, like, how much of this, like, continued development and uh, not even feature creep, like, the sort of, like, general scale creep that has been going on for all of these games is, like, out of necessity because they were promised in this Kickstarter campaign and how much of it is just like this is the stuff they want to be this is the stuff they want to be doing like that and that's not a that's not a, a a knock against them like I by all you know all signs seem to be pointing to the fact that Yacht Club Games is like fully fully in on on Shovel Knight yeah I think they probably could have done a low rent version that would have checked the boxes of the Kickstarter campaign yeah but I think after the enormous for the amount of, for the size of the team the hit that was shovel nut night is absolutely enormous after that enormous hit where all this te- this team is still very jazzed to make shovel night stuff they basically said hey we're just going to make it as good as we can damn well make it and take a lot of time with it and they did and I think the results are pretty... To that point, it's worth noting that the next project that they've announced is Shovel Knight Dig, a new Shovel Knight uh, game that is also more about... It's more about digging. That's my one knock for Shovel Knight, is that the digging leaves much to be desired. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. 
Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties who wants to to walk us through the basic uh, mechanics of this particular product i can talk about king of cards so this is the last like ostensibly the last expansion of uh shovel knight although i guess there's five other members of the order of no quarter that they could ostensibly sort of which uh, it bears mentioning by the way that a lot of these are like remixed levels right like we're mm, we're yes I for for I'm, reconfiguring I, levels to suit the different mechanics. Kind of, I think that's maybe the least true. Well, I don't know. Plague of Shadows was the first expansion, and that one pretty much was like a side story where like the levels were not that different. Uh, Specter of Torment, like the locomotion mechanics, were so vastly different from uh, Shovel Knight that the, the the levels were pretty dramatically different. I feel like. I feel like it's pretty, it's like the same palettes, right? And it's the same more or less areas that you're going into. You're going to see a lot of sort of familiar scenery. But the way that the uh, levels have changed have, you know, a lot of it has been truncated. Uh, the levels aren't nearly as long, I feel like, as they were in the in the first Shovel Knight. Because it is also a, a game about the same sort of platforming stuff that you could expect from Shovel Knight. Uh, but there is also a, a big emphasis on a card game, uh, hence hence the name. Which maybe we should just like dive in. It, it's two parts, right? It is this this uh, still pretty retro inspired platforming thing. I think the nearest comparison to Shovel Knight was Ducktales, where you know you had the cane that you could bounce on enemies, or you could just hit enemies with it. And so a lot of the platforming wasn't just like jumping from place to place; it was also like bouncing on an enemy's head or bouncing on your cane on this one thing, so that you could get some extra height and they did that really well and and each following expansion had sort of a different like gimmick for getting around and in king of cards it is this uh shoulder bash that you do so you dash through the air bash into something that's like it that's like your one big it's move. wario inspired. it is wario right that is the the nearest comparison is is wario but you have sort of two attacks and it's that shoulder bash but then if you execute a shoulder bash into something you will start twirling twirling beautifully through the air like a dancer and while you are sort of spinning you can jump on enemies and bounce on them or you know bounce off of objects in the environment and if you successfully bounce on one thing you can dash again sort of in midair so those are the that's like the hook is you know you dash into an enemy it sends you twirling upwards into the air you bounce off another enemy which then lets you chain another shoulder bash into something else and so the trickier platforming segments are all about sort of doing that yeah Um, i do want to mention regarding this when i first started playing i was like this seems like really simple. Like you think about the move set that Shovel Knight has, or or even the the uh, Death Knight have. There's like a lot of ways to interact with the environment, and this seems like very straightforward. And 
very quickly I realized how much variety comes from these interactions that you have where you're trying to basically dash into something, get a second jump, get a second dash. It like turns into more of a puzzle game. Yeah, it's puzzle solving. And I had the same experience as you, Russ. Like the first level, I was not sold. I was actually like, this is it? Like, Mm -hmm. but in the areas where like there are certain walls that you can't bash. And so like you can't you can't get the extra jump off this wall. So now you have to find something to put you into the spin state so that you can start moving around with it. Like it, it does get kind of puzzly. And I think that that's neat. And I think it's a, a, I didn't think that there was much more meat on the Shovel Knight bones for them to like really uh, hang a whole sort of expansion on. And I think that this, this idea does a, a good enough job. My problem is that like King of Cards also has the more sort of RPG stuff that the, the Shovel Knight games have had so far of like finding these special items that you can expend your energy on, like uh, a lance that just fires straight forward or a mouse, an exploding mouse that will like run forward until it hits an enemy and pops. I don't think that that stuff plays as well with this core mechanic because it's like you have this puzzle element of like, what can I dash into? Where can I start my chain? What can I, where do I need to use this second dash? And I feel like when you start adding like, and also I can throw a lance through the air or also I can throw bombs through the air. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like uh, contribute to the It's not designed for it. Like you almost feel like you're upsetting the flow of the the design to integrate those sub weapons. Yeah, I felt like that existed almost to make the game easier if you wanted it. I found myself saving all of my cash for, you can get like different outfits that have other features. And I was not using my cash to unlock those abilities because the only time I really needed those abilities was if I was struggling. And it's like, oh, I don't really want to have to deal with this enemy. The only one I will say is kind of cool. There's a bubble that you can get that's sort of like, it's almost like a little bit of a do-over. Like, well, I didn't quite get my dash far enough, but you can bubble and then dash again. So it can help you reach some some hidden stuff and, and also make some jumps a little easier. But there's like shields you can get. Like you can get a shield and it's like, yeah, theoretically you could use that to get past the tough part but it's like it's not designed for it it almost feels like you're like uh breaking things a little bit like if you had like a double jump in portal 2 yeah i mean yeah it's not that um but that's not the entire game is it yes justin can you tell us about the cards a little bit because this seems like it would be your jam oh oh um incorrect um oh no okay (laughs) no (laughs) um, great misjudgment on your part um so Part of King of Cards, and and this isn't necessarily, like, you don't, I wouldn't say you, like, have to interact with a lot of this. There are ways, like, you could work around not doing this at all if you didn't want to, but there is a card game built into King of Cards called Joustus. Yes. And you, uh, boy, describing mechanics of card game. So it's basically a nine by nine grid with gems on it and the grid sizes change, but, and the number of gems change, but like there's a nine by nine grid with gems on it and you have to, uh, have a card over a gem to claim it. And whoever has the most gems wins. The trick is you cannot put a card directly onto a gem. You have to scoot one of your cards, push one of your cards onto the gem and other people can push your cards, uh, your opponent can push your cards off the gym. Every card has arrows on the top, bottom, left, or right that show the directions it can push. Some cards can push farther and they're more powerful. Um, but the game is really about getting cards that have a lot of flexibility in terms of which ways they can push and which ways they can't be pushed from because a card with an arrow, I say left, can't be pushed in that direction it will oppose it it's really hard 
I mean, it took me probably four or five matches to even like grok what they were trying to tell me. And even then, I found it like very hard because I'm like really bad at slide puzzles and it does have a slide puzzly feel to it. I, I'll disagree with that because I despise slide puzzles and I really like Joustice. Okay. A it lot. might have not just clicked for me. I, I don't think there's a way, suffice it to say, like it's a very hard game to even like explain without seeing it. Uh, the closest I can think is like, like t- territorial like control, like go. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, just Justin, you did the absolute best job you could do. And I think even then, if you haven't played it, it's almost impossible to sort of visualize it. I'll say in its in its defense, I think that it's actually a really deep game. And for me, it was my favorite part of the game. I liked Justice way more than I liked like the platforming side of things. Because in addition to the grid, there's like one bumper, like dead zone outside of the arena, like a ring of, of dead zone that you can push cards into and just knock them out. But that's it. So like if that dead zone's full, you can't push something else into that. So a lot of the game is like setting up corners for you to push your card into and lock it into place so that nobody else can get into it and that like to me i feel like that was uh like that added a strategic element that i really liked and also like deck building uh because you acquire new cards either through purchasing them from this vendor which is by far what i spent the most of my money on or whenever you beat an opponent you get to claim one of the the cards that they have left on the board but the same can happen to you so it's sort of like triple triad going and so like pretty early on in the game like i stacked my deck with like cards that had arrows all over and double arrows which can supersede single arrow defenses and like had this deck and i started to play with it and i lost constantly because I defended against myself, right? Like you can't if you have a card with arrows on all directions, you're probably not going to be able to push that one because it's defending in all directions too. So you also have to have like kind of a strategy of like, well, I got to have some weak cards that are going to be like my pushers that are going to it's so limited in mechanics, but like I had a lot of fun like trying to crack like the best strategy for it. My complaints are about Justice are twofold. One, I feel like mechanically um it felt, and it wouldn't feel this way if you got really deep. A lot of times it felt random. Like I felt like I was just playing the position instead of playing mm-hmm. a strategy. Yeah. Which I think is like not uncommon for a lot of games with depth. I mean, like you can say the same thing about chess, right? Like if you're playing chess well, you're thinking ahead two moves. You can see the opponent's cards. You know how they'll be able to answer you. Um, but there's so many different variations. It's just like not easy to just sort of guess or not sort to sort of plan Uh, until you get really deep in the other problem i had is just when i felt like i was really starting to get a pretty good handle they start introducing new mechanics into joustus things like there are bosses that can blow out a line of cards with a meteor strike or there are uh, later on in the in uh, as you progress they start introducing like big boulders on the field of play that and cards that have bombs in their arrows that can actually blow things up if you move them too far to the left or right. And to me, that kind of feels like if you're introducing new mechanics into your game, maybe it's not that strong of a game. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're not, you know, it's like, yeah, it feels like Monopoly. Hearthstone, Hearthstone did that with, with its dungeon boss fights. So like, and that's a very strong game. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. I guess I'm, I'm using game in like the, the literal sense of like, I was I would I wish I was just having fun playing this game that I understood rather than like folding in new stuff that I have to kind of be aware of. That feels more video gamey to me than than card gamey, if that makes sense. I, I also think like it just comes too quickly. 
I think if you really understood, if if every player felt like they really understood the game and then you throw in those twists, that's fun because it's like, well, I really have a grasp for this and now some spice. But I had that same feeling where it was like, I don't even know the game yet. And now you're like removing cards from the table. I, I'm still, I still just want to know how to ride my bike, let alone how to ride my bike off some like really sick ramps. This is interesting because like, I feel like I was that, I, I was that person where like I played every joust system. No, I, and this is not this there is not goes. me saying this is not me saying that you guys are are you know wicked stoops because you didn't learn the game fast enough. But for me, like I played all the joust matches that were you know a- available, and by the time like those new mechanics showed up, like I had kind of started to get bored with the like just pushing cards thing. Like for me, like it evolved at like a at a good pace. Uh, where I, I guess it's just like you know. To each their own. Uh, I was also very much on board with this because I like an in-game trading card game. I like an in-game mini game. I've always liked like Triple Triad and all Gwent? that shit. Did you play Gwent? No, because I didn't really care for The Witcher 3, which is its own sort of kettle of fish. This game, aesthetically, the Joustus stuff reminded me so much of the Game Boy Color Pokemon trading card game, which I like adored. Oh, yeah. And so I think there was like a certain element of nostalgia there for me. I think this one is a mixed bag. I think the strongest expansion is Spectre of Torment, which if you've played Shovel Knight and didn't play that one, like, do, because it's really, really rad. It's sort of the, uh, it's probably, what, Ninja Gaiden? Castlevania was the one that jumped out at me. Well, no, you can, like, climb walls and jump and, like, dash, like, slash and stuff like that. That one was really good. But what impressed me about King of Cards is that, like, they found more meat on the bones. Like, I did, after, after Spectre of Torment, I was like, what else is there like what else are you what else can you do that's not going to feel like so completely tired while i think like you know it's kind of a mixed bag i don't think you can call it tired i think it's i think it stands out very much as its own as yeah, its own I, thing i would also say just from like a value perspective and i don't want to put like dollar amount equals good situation but like the treasure trove the shovel knight treasure, treasure trove I'll say specifically on switch cuz it's like perfect on switch is really one of the best things you could just get it's just like a ridiculous amount of content for what you're paying. I didn't play the multiplayer mode, but like now there's like it's all right. versus multiplayer now, but there's also co-op through all of the campaigns, which is outrageous. It really is just like an astonishing collection that they've made. And it really does feel like this was their like dream game that they just got to keep building over multiple years. Whereas normally you would just release a game and be done with it. So I'm going to toss on one more recommendation before we uh, wrap this segment, but I have a feeling a lot of people who listen to the show already have played Shovel Knight. Maybe they own the collection. If you enjoy this sort of game, you should really check out The Messenger. I feel like it is similarly a really well-made game of this ilk uh, that switches back and forth between 18 and 16-bit. And I feel like nobody... (laughs) play this it, it is the 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 sad version of this story where i think it is just as well made with care but came a little bit later and just didn't get a ride this wave quite as well yeah i mean that this certainly was in a window of like i feel like what re- retro city rampage i forget what what i feel oh, like there were a ton hawaii of, the new one well that was a newer one i'm talking about like back in 20, oh, 2013 yeah. 2014 like this the d there was like a a bubble yeah of d makes and this one for me was was always the always the best one it's also worth noting like uh treasure trove came out in 2017 on switch it was like a launch window yeah. game for the switch and if you own it you have king of cart like it just they just added that to it like for for free which yeah. is like the the value proposition is is pretty pretty wild but 
we are we have many more kings to discuss uh but first uh we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this you go get a phone you just want a phone talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice easy solution save some put the bucks back in your pocket pay 15 bucks a month say bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com besties that's mintmobile.com besties Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode of The Besties is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up, you just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi, and once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old, I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old, and they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family, all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it, I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. King of Cards is a pretty good king. The King Knight, uh, Knight King Knight. He's a he's huge, very good. He's, he's very an good. Adult, he's an adult I, I, did, size I didn't baby. mention this, but the character is very funny. The yes. animation is very funny. He's portrays a complete doofus. Uh, when he, <laughs> when you start a level, the flashing text on the screen is "Make way" is what it says. So, uh, King Knight is very funny. What are some of your guys' favorite kings in video games? Uh, I'll go first. My favorite king. I thought about this for a while. Um, because there's been many, many kings, and I don't want to take any of yours, but my favorite king is King DDD of the Kirby games. And now, am I a huge Kirby fan? Not really. Do I love those games? They're okay. They're not the best. But there's something very interesting about King DDD, and it's this. 
generally when you have an adversarial king, you know, a King Bowser, if you will, they tend to be angry. They tend to be curt with you uh, when they're interacting with you. There's something about King Didi who, Didi, who is effectively a large penguin in a bathrobe, who is like very overjoyed with everything he's up to. Very thrilled to be there, to have passionate. an opportunity. Passionate man. He's a passionate man, and he shows it not only in his smile, which is large and enormous. It's also his outfit, which is like a neon series of colors. I don't want to guess the colors because I'm colorblind, but the, it's very bright and colorful and and cheery and uplifting. And whenever I see him, whether it's in a Kirby game or even in Smash Brothers, which he has obviously been a member of Smash Brothers for quite some time, he's just like so exuberant and thrilled to be there that I just get like really jazzed. So I, I appreciate, I think there's a lot of like downer Kings in video games and he is not one of them. I think there's a way of looking at Kirby's adventure where Kirby is a usurper. Yes. Who makes his way through like all of these different environments to commit regicide mm-hmm. at the castle. And he and rolls gluttony. up and gluttony and King Dedede is just like welcomes him with open arms and like doesn't sick the palace guard. I guess mm. he does kind of in the form of like <laughs> monsters and stuff. But then he rolls up and King Dedede is just like, okay, we'll settle this in the boxing ring. Yeah. And it's Which like, that's, that's noble. There's a nobility. There's an honor to that mm-hmm. that I really like. My my favorite king in video games is by far King of All Cosmos from the uh, Canterbury Domacy series of games. It is the type of king that I think I would like to be where he is just doing his best but sometimes that means casting all of uh, existence into oblivion and then sending his dipshit son out with a cool ball to try and save it. I don't, I don't, uh, he's a terrible person. Yeah, but he's, he's maybe pretty the, lazy. He may be the funniest like character like of all time. I get very excited anytime I see King of All Cosmos in any games. I replayed, what was it, uh, Katamari Damacy Reroll on the Switch, which I think came out last year, uh, and uh, I got very, very nostalgic for. And I love the aesthetic of the like cutscenes in those games, and I love the aesthetic of the King of All Cosmos and Queen of All Cosmos. and Also very exuberantly princes. dressed. Uh, yeah, and he, you know, he barfs up rainbows and uh, tooltips for <laughs> when you need help in a game. I really like that. <laughs> King of All Cosmos, very big also, big, strong body, huge body, powerful body. I think the King of... I'm looking at this list, and King of All Cosmos, I think, would beat any of the the kings you've picked his asses. He's generally supine, though. He usually is just, like, not putting that's a lot of effort in. Yeah, that's all he needs, though. He still towers above the rest of your, that's true. your guys. Weak, pathetic kings. Uh, plant? Oh, I'm going to let Justin go first. Okay, well, I love Burger King. He is delicious. Obviously, the most delicious of any of these kings. What? Wait, he's delicious. He well, he Whoa. provides a lot of delicious flavors for everybody and, <laughs> and surprises them with burgers. So, Sneak King is the most prominent of the Burger King video games. That if you're too young to remember this, were sold for three dollars at Burger King. You could buy, which is a bargain, honestly. Pocket Bike Racer, Sneak King, and Big Bumpin' were the three Burger King games. I have two. It, Sneak King is probably the the king, the Burger Kings. Number one m- most popular appearance it is a stealth game where you sneak up on people and deliver them hamburgers. Mm. Here are two. I want to share two things about Sneak King. First is these games came together because uh, Microsoft and Burger King met at the Cannes Film Festival to accept awards for their advertising campaigns for respectively 
I Love Bees, which was a Halo Ooh, yeah. 2 RPG, and the Subservient Chicken, which was a Burger King promotion. And they got to talking at Con and said, you know what, we should uh, we should make some, some sick-ass games. I want to read you guys a paragraph from Wikipedia. Burger King's creative control over the game impacted its development, defined as a set of rules. The first rule was that there was only one King character. Developers had the idea of the Xbox avatars playing the game and finding the crown to become the king, but the idea was rejected because Burger King said players could not become the king. (laughs) (laughs) The next idea was to have one person be the king and the other players lay traps to interfere with his deliveries. But this idea was rejected by Burger King because the king could not be exposed to danger. (laughs) So that's why they made a stealth game. In order to better capture the accuracy and the authenticity of the king's movements, the king was flown to Britain for motion capture. And Blitz Games, Edward Lindley, described Sneak King as the riskiest game concept of the project because it is the appearance and antics of the king himself that give the game its humor and life. Without him, the game simply wouldn't work. Until we had finished the king model and motion capture in the game, we couldn't be certain the concept would gel. So, yes, they flew the actual Burger King to Britain to mocap him for Sneak King. Is it like the luchadors where they can't, like, remove the mask, otherwise he loses all his power? I guess so, yeah. That's terrifying. Why would you need to sneak up on someone to deliver burgers? Wouldn't they accept them with open arms? I mean, yeah, but you're kind of undermining the conceit of the whole thing. That might expose them to danger, Russ. There can be no danger. That is reasonable. The danger of having his feelings hurt if they weren't hungry at that moment. That's a danger. That's reasonable. I really struggled to find a good king. Because the three of you took the best kings. Um, Turns out there are not many other great kings in video games after you take the Burger King uh, and the King of All Cosmos and whatever Fresh brought. King Um, K. Rule. (laughs) <laughs> but then king i remember Graham the, uh, from uh, king's uh, quest i remember a special king uh king bowser in super mario brothers the movie played by dennis hopper this is a cop out <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that he is referred to is he referred to as king bowser in the movie or i thought he was just sort of bowser the scale he's like man. a president he is unquestionably the king He is turning people into alien dinosaurs with itty-bitty heads on big old bodies. Like kings do. If he's not the king, someone should have stopped him, right? Like people would have voted him out. Yes. (laughs) He would have have lost the election, certainly. We can't share images, but I just want to, I want everybody who is listening to this show and not driving a vehicle right now to close their eyes Picture a middle-aged Dennis Hopper with his tongue sticking out, a prosthetic on it that makes it extra long and pointy, and with the most bleached hair gelled, um, and it's pointing in five, like five mini mohawks. It's a beautiful thing that Nintendo really did not like. What that tongue do, though, Dennis Hopper? (laughs) The Goombas, too, are worth checking out if you've never seen the Goombas from that film. Holy shit. Yeah, they're amazing. A brief side note. Recently, uh, I did some research into this movie. It turns out in an earlier script, uh, there were two cameos from none other than Bruce Willis in this movie, both of them taking place within a vent with Bruce Willis playing his role as uh, John McClane from Die Hard. They kept passing him. 
in the vent. I guess the Mario Brothers need to keep clamoring through. And then they presented them to Bruce Willis, and surprisingly, shockingly, he turned it down. I didn't know why, but oh, that's too bad. Right. That would have been fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have, I have a photo of the art director because I uh, once was planning a story about this movie a long time ago, and it's the art director in Miyamoto minutes before Miyamoto actually saw the movie for the first time, and it's the last time that Miyamoto has seen anywhere near this movie. Uh, we uh, we ask for your uh, thoughts when we go into an episode like this. You can share them with us via email at uh, mail at besties.fan, or you can share them with us on Twitter. We're at the besties pod. And if you follow us there, you can find out what we're going to be discussing and, and share your feedback there as well. We ask for your thoughts on Shovel Knight. Uh, Jum said, uh, I think it's absolutely stellar that Yacht Club Games continue to put so much time and dedication into expanding this game over the course of so many years, basically of no charge. Uh, Jameson said it's really incredible how Yacht Club was able to do four completely different characters who all play so well and so different from each other and any other platforming character out there. Brinald can't say enough good about Shovel Knight. Each campaign feels so different, both mechanically and in tone. Controls always feel good, even when mechanics are changed or taken away. Easily one of my favorite games of all time. Nick, each campaign just got better and better. They finally did the ultimate game in a game, a card game. A lot of love for for Shovel Knight. Yeah, I I, I, is, I do think they're like it's a nice story. Yeah, it's a really nice story, and and this is becoming a little more common as you see these games really take off. You look at a game like uh, Stardew Valley or Hollow Knight, where the game launches and um, it is extremely extremely good when it launches, but the uh, support for it is enormous, and because of the sales of the game it allows them to make like the game a much larger project. And eventually, you know, in the case of Hollow Knight, they ended up making like a full sequel, uh, which is coming out this year. So it does seem like there's this element, you know, we talk frequently about uh, toxic fandom and stuff like that, but there's a, there's an upside, I think, to fandom among other things. And, and that is that people get to support the things that they really love and the people that made them initially get to make dope shit. That was like the one of the biggest hooks for Kickstarter back when, you know, Kickstarter was such a huge driver for indie game, like debut splashes. And I think you can count on, you know, one, if I'm being generous two hands, the, the number of stories that ended up like this, where the game got made and the like amount of financial and emotional investment that went into those campaigns like actually paid off in a huge, huge, huge way. And I don't know, like maybe it was easier to do that back in 2013 or, or, or so. Like, I don't know. I don't know how much, how often that is happening these days. Maybe I'm just like not as well plugged in anymore because like for every shovel night, I feel like you get a star citizen and maybe isn't the best, uh, yeah. isn't the best example since the, the community for that has like cons and shit like that. So next week we are going to be talking about black Mesa, Zen, that is an expansion to a fan-made remake of a game that came out 22 years ago. But January is fine. <laughs> you don't need to worry about that. I mean, that. it's not, to be fair, it's not really an expansion as much as it is if you bought they Black Mesa, which it. was a remake of the original Half-Life, you are now getting these these after the end of the levels. game damn i gotta say russ this, this semantic argument is a fucking good energy to finish an episode <laughs> out on thank you for quibbling thank you for the pedantry if you want to check that out uh do so 
and uh, you, we can uh, talk about it next time. I assume you're already following and listening to us on Spotify if you're here, but if you just kind of stumbled uh, onto the show, we'd ask that you go ahead and hit that follow button. And perhaps more importantly, uh, if you like this show, you like video games, uh, tweet about it at the Besties Pod or tell your friends to follow and listen on Spotify. And thank you for being here. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I should mention, if you are tweeting about it, it's very easy to link to the show. All you have to do is type in besties.fan into Twitter, and that will automatically drop in a cool little link directly to the show and a little clip from the latest episode. So it's it's pretty nifty. Wow, cool. The future is yeah, here. I didn't even know that. The future is here, and it is the Besties. So be sure to join us again next time for the Besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games the besties is a spotify original podcast in association with vox media the show is edited by jelani And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties! Besties!